This week, the story of the sacrifice of Daksha and the danger of making Shiva angry. As always, this podcast is presented by Pujanet, P-U-J-A dot N-E-T, your Vedic resource on the web. When one starts to read the great stories from the Vedic tradition, it doesn't take long before you come across the story of Daksha's sacrifice. It has so much richness and complexity both in the telling of the story and in the depth of the symbology contained within it. The story is told in many different forms, sometimes with widely differing details, in the Vayu, the Linga, the Matsya, the Padma, the Bhagavata, the Skanda Puranas, and it also appears in slightly different form in the Mahabharata as a conversation between Yudhistra and Bhishma. In the Vedic tradition, Brahma does the work of creating. He's the one who puts the universe together. Vishnu runs the universe and so is the protector and maintainer. And Shiva is usually known as the destroyer, the one who tears it all down in preparation for the cycle of creation to occur again. But there is more to Shiva's role than meets the eye. He's mysterious, reclusive, often silent and hidden. He is symbolic of Brahman, the transcendent silence that supports and underlies constant change and motion of creation. Think of each moment in time. Right now is created, it lasts for a moment, and then it passes. Creating this moment is Brahma, experiencing it, that's Vishnu, and ending so that it can be replaced by the next moment, that is Shiva. Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva always present and constant and co-equal in our daily experience of the universe. Shiva is constantly destroying things, and traditionally he's pictured as being hot. So he tends to happily spend his time high up in the remote mountains on Kailash, his Himalayan sanctuary, and that's why his worship involves Abhishekam, the pouring of various liquids over the Shiva Lingam. Vishnu and Lakshmi, because they support and protect the world, are very conventional. They behave properly, in contrast to Shiva, who is wild and unconventional and who lives outside of proper society. The Vedic tradition identifies four fundamental aims of human life. These are called the Purusharthas, and they are Dharma, right action, Artha, wealth, Kama, enjoyment, and Moksha, liberation. In essence, we all pursue wealth and enjoyment. Dharma, for this purpose, would widely be considered to be the things that we do in life, our responsibilities, like our job and taking care of our family and so on. These three, Dharma, Kama, Artha, are, for purposes of this discussion, going to come under the purview of Vishnu, because they're qualities that maintain life. They keep things moving forward, and it's just conventional life as we know it. Moksha is the destruction of our connection to the world. It is the absorption of the limited ego into the vastness of Brahman. It is release from the cycle of birth and death. There's a lot of destruction and a lack of boundaries there. So Shiva, being symbolic of Moksha, tends to live outside of society. He is the ascetic recluse, preferring to live in the wild, 
As symbolic of one who represents the transcendent, which is beyond all rules, he breaks rules. He's associated with death and demons and everything that's the scary side of life. He hangs out in burial grounds and wears his hair long and matted. He dresses in animal skins and wanders around, or he spends his time lost in meditation. But in spite of his ascetic tendencies, Shiva has a wife by the name of Sati. She was given to him by Daksha, the great king, at the suggestion of Daksha's father, Brahma the Creator. Not only was Daksha a great ruler, but he was also expert at yagya, the rituals that form the core of the Vedic tradition. The Kurma Purana tells a story of a meeting between Daksha and the Rishi Darichi, in which there was a gathering of all sorts of illustrious men and various gods and goddesses, and as Daksha enters the hall, everybody stands up with the notable exception of Shiva, who remains seated. Well, Daksha was a very proud man and quickly became enraged. Addressing the group, he said, Listen to me, and listen well. This Shiva is my son-in-law. He has married my delicate, beautiful, and cultured daughter at the suggestion of Brahma. And yet here he sits when he should stand. Look at him. He smears ash all over his body. He wanders around naked. He looks disrespectful. He is not Shiva, which means pure. He is Ashiva, which means impure. Accordingly, from now on, when we perform Yagya, there will be no offerings to Shiva. And Daksha, Daksha stomps away. Now Shiva sat there unbothered by all the drama. But his mount, Nandi the bull, was enraged, and he cursed Daksha, saying that only those who were obsessed with the material world would find fault with Shiva, who is the embodiment of vairagya, or detachment. Since Daksha is so obsessed with the material world, said Nandi, let him live for sensory pleasure only. Since he chooses to have qualities of an ignorant beast, let him live like one, and to remind all others of his folly, for this moment forward he will have the head of a goat. And all the Brahmins who supported him, they too will delight in the pleasures of the body alone, and will wander about living as beggars. In the Puranic stories, one just does not start cursing like that without getting some reaction from others who are present, and the sage Brighu, another of the sons of Brahma, and therefore a brother uh, to Daksha, cursed the followers of Shiva, saying, Those who follow Shiva will act contrary to scripture, be devoid of proper conduct, and will be attached to the intoxication of wine. So everyone stomps off. Now sometime later, Daksha wanted to have a yagya, a grand sacrifice, and he made arrangements at a site in the Himalayas called Ganga Dwara, which is Haridwar, near Rishikesh today, and he invited everyone, gods and goddesses, ancestors, rishis, and so on. As the Purana says, the Adichas, the Vasus, the Rudras, the Maruts, all were present there, entitled as they were to partake in the offerings, together with Indra, the king of the gods. The four classes of Pitris, Ushmapas, Somapas, Aijapas, Dhumapas, those who feed upon the flame, the juice, the butter, or the smoke of the Yagya offerings. 
Also attending were the divine Ashwins and Brahma the Creator. Creatures of every class born from the womb, from the egg, from air or vegetation came upon their invocation, as did all the gods with their brides who in their resplendent vehicles blazed like so many fires. But there was a problem. Looking out over them all, the sage Dadichi was filled with indignation. And he said, The man who worships what not not to be worshipped, or pays not reverence where veneration is due, is guilty most assuredly of heinous sin. And then addressing Daksha, he says to him, Why do you not offer homage to the god who is the lord of life? And at this point, Dadichi Rishi is saying, What about Shiva? Now, Shiva is also known as Rudra, and there are eleven different forms of Rudra, all of whom Daksha had invited to the ritual. In response, Daksha says, Hey, I invited all the eleven forms of Rudra. These I recognize, and I do not know who this Mahadeva, Shiva, of whom you speak is. Now, of course, this is a little disingenuous, because Sati Daksha's daughter is married to Shiva, but maybe Daksha thought he could get away with it. Dadichi says he recognizes no deity higher than Shiva, so your ritual is not proper and it will not succeed. Well, Daksha, not to be deterred, and with probably more than a little bit of a hint of taunting in his voice, says, I offer in a golden cup this entire oblation, which has been consecrated by many prayers as an offering ever due to the unequaled Vishnu, the sovereign Lord of all. Now, as this is happening, Sati went to Shiva and said that she had seen all sorts of gods dressed up, beautifully going off someplace, and they told her that her own father had invited them to attend a grand yagya. Well, Sati, of course, wanted to go, and in particular to see her mother and aunties. My dear husband, she says, I know you are beyond the pettiness of social activities, but I long to visit my family, see my birthplace, and attend to this yagya. Why are you not attending? Well, Shiva explained that there was an arrangement a long time ago, in the first part of our story, in which he would not receive a share of the yagya rituals. Well, that can't be fair, Sati said. Shiva explained that in my sacrifice the priests worship me in the offering of true wisdom, and thus do I receive my portion. But Sati was not satisfied, and so Shiva was convinced to claim a share of the ritual's offerings. And he created a being called Virabhadra, and Sati creates a being called Rudrakali. And as the text says with great drama, Having thus spoken to his beloved spouse, the mighty Maheshwara, Shiva, created from his mouth a being like the fire of fate, a divine being with a thousand heads, a thousand eyes, a thousand feet, wielding a thousand clubs, a thousand arrows, holding the shell, the discus, the mace, and wearing a blazing bow and battle axe, fierce and terrific, shining with dreadful splendor, and decorated with the crescent moon, clothed in a tiger's skin, dripping with blood, having a capacious stomach and a vast mouth, armed with formidable tusks, 
His ears were erect, his lips were pendulous, his tongue was lightning, his hand brandished the thunderbolt, flames streamed from his hair, a necklace of pearls wound round his neck, a garland of flames descended on his breast, radiant with luster. He looked like the final fire that consumes the world. Four tremendous tusks projected from a mouth which extended from ear to ear. He was of vast bulk, vast strength, a mighty male and lord, the destroyer of the universe, and like a large fig tree in circumference, shining like a hundred moons all at once, fierce as the fire of love, having four heads, sharp white teeth, and of mighty fierceness, vigor, activity, and courage, glowing with the blaze of a thousand fiery suns at the end of the world, like a thousand undimmed moons, in bulk like a huge mountain, bright as the sun of destruction at the end of ages, of irresistible prowess and beautiful aspect, irascible with lowering eyes and a countenance burning like fire, clothed in the hide of elephant and lion, and girt round with snakes, wearing a turban on his head, a moon on his brow, sometimes savage, sometimes mild, having a garland of many flowers on his head, anointed with various unguents, and adorned with different ornaments and many sorts of jewels, wearing a garland of heavenly flowers, rolling his eyes with rage. This fearsome being then knelt down on the ground, raising his hands respectfully to his head, said to Mahadeva, Sovereign of the gods, command, what is it that I must do for thee? Destroy the sacrifice of Daksha, was Shiva's simple reply. And at that the mighty Virabhadra bowed down his head to the feet of Shiva, and like a lion loosened from his bonds, left to destroy the sacrifice of Daksha, accompanied by the fearful goddess Rudrakali, who was created from the anger of Sati, the wife of Shiva. And Virabhadra created from the pores of his skin hundreds and thousands of powerful assistants of equal valor and strength. They leapt up into the sky and streamed off, headed for Daksha's Yagya. And I'll say one thing, they certainly did know how to write in those days. So now, the text, now this time from the Vishnu Purana, is very dramatic. Imagine that you're there seated by the Yagya fire with all the other invitees, when all of a sudden the surrounding mountains tottered and the earth shook. Uh, as the text says, the winds roared and the depths of the sea were disturbed. The fires suddenly lost their radiance and the sun grew pale. Neither the planets nor the stars shone in the sky. Concerned, the rishis ceased their hymns, and the gods and demons were mute, and thick darkness was everywhere. Then from the sudden gloom emerged fearful and numerous forms, shouting the cry of battle, who instantly broke or overturned the sacrificial columns, trampled on the altars, and danced amid the offerings. Running wildly hither and thither with the speed of wind, the beings tossed about the implements and vessels of sacrifice, which looked like stars, precipitated from the heavens. The piles of flu food and beverage for the gods, which had been heaped up like mountains, the rivers of milk, the banks of curd and butter, the sands of honey and buttermilk and sugar, the mounds of condiments and spices of every flavor. 
and then falling upon the host of the gods, these vast and resistless rudras beat or terrified them, mocked them, insulted the nymphs and goddesses, and quickly put an end to the rite. Some of them made a hideous clamor, while others fearfully shouted, Daksha, the patriarch, his sacrifice being destroyed, overcome with terror and utterly broken in spirit, fell upon the ground, where his head was cracked open by the feet of the cruel Virabhadra. The thirty scores of sacred divinities will all, were all presently bound with a band of fire by Virabhadra, their lion-like foe, and they all cried out, Have mercy on us, dismiss your anger. Brahma and the other gods and the patriarch Daksha looked up and raising their hands, they said, Who are you? Virabhadra looked down on them and said, I am not a god nor an Aditya, nor do I come hither for enjoyment, nor am I curious to behold the chiefs of the divinities. I am come to destroy the sacrifice of Daksha. I am called Virabhadra, the issue of the wrath of Shiva. Bhadrakali, who has sprung from the anger of Devi, is sent here with me by them to destroy this rite. Well, having heard the words of Virabhadra, Daksha looked around at the remains of his sacrifice. The hearth of sacrifice, now deserted by the Brahmins, had been destroyed. Uh, the spirit of sacrifice, Yagna, had been metamorphosed into an antelope and had run away. The fires of Shiva's wrath had been kindled to disastrous effect. All of Daksha's attendants, wounded by the tridents of the servants of Virabhadra, were groaning with pain. The pieces of the uprooted sacrificial posts were scattered here and there, and the fragments of the food offerings were being consumed or carried off by flights of hungry vultures and the herds of howling jackals. Daksha, who was a powerful yogi, closed his eyes in meditation, and Shiva appeared in his inner vision glowing like a thousand suns, and smiled upon him and said, Daksha, your sacrifice has been destroyed. I'm satisfied now. What can I do for you? Well, Daksha was frightened, alarmed, agitated, crying, his eyes suffused with tears, raised his hands to his brow and said, well... If you are pleased, if I found any favor with you, I have worked so long and hard to accumulate all the items for the sacrifice, may this not have been prepared in vain. Well, Shiva, who is very well known for his quick temper, is also very easily calmed and pleased. So let it be, replies Shiva. Daksha knelt down on the earth and, in the text, recites Shiva Sahasranam, the thousand and eight names of Shiva. And that's the end of the story as it's told in the Vayu Purana. But in most of the other Puranas, it's told a little bit differently. As Daksha's sacrifice is beginning, Sati, his daughter, and Shiva's wife, goes to Shiva and asks if she can attend the Yagya. Well, Shiva's very sympathetic but unmoved. My dear, he says, it is always good to visit one's family, but when they're all puffed up with pride as your father is now, it is not good. And I know you're the father, favorite of your father, but you will not receive the welcome and attention that you desire, 
because he happens to be envious and angry with me at the moment. I did not honor him by standing at that assembly because I honor only the supreme transcendent who is enshrined in the heart of the pure. That is what I do my namaste too, but under the influence of pride and egotism, that beautiful and delicate flower of the transcendent divine evaporates, and so what is left to honor? Hence I sat and did not stand. It will not do you any good to go and see him. You must stay here. Well, Sati was crestfallen. She really wanted to go, and she started to cry. But her tears had no effect on Shiva, who sat attentively looking at her with concern for a while. But he soon grew bored with that, closed his eyes, and returned to his meditation. As soon as Sati noticed this, she stopped, and her tears were replaced by anger. And she rose, walked determinedly out of the hall, and headed off for her father's home. Seeing her go, some of Shiva's entourage accompanied her, and it was not long before the group reached Daksha's place, where they could already hear the sounds of the Vedic chants and smell the smoke of the sacrificial fire with the offerings of ghee being poured into it. Sati's mother and aunts welcomed her warmly, but Daksha, her father, ignored her, as did all the guests and Brahmins in fear of angering Daksha. Quickly, Sati grew angry and refused her seat of honor near her mother. She soon noticed that there was no seat reserved for her husband, Shiva, either. She was growing more angry by the moment, and her anger was something not to be underestimated because, as wife of the Lord of Destruction, she was the source of his power. Father, she said with a quivering voice, how can you dishonor my husband? He's no enmity towards anyone. He's the beloved soul of all beings who finds the minutest merit in others, as if with a great magnifying glass, and yet you find the smallest fault amidst the virtues of others. Shiva is not worthy of your disrespect. Do you know that when he calls out to me, he says, O daughter of Daksha? How can I hear that now without feeling the pain you have caused me through your disrespect? She was shaking with anger and with a quivering voice, says, I cannot stay here. She sits down on the floor, closes her eyes, and thinking of her husband. A moment passed in silence, and then there was the merest wisp of smoke, which was soon replaced by large tongues of flame. The assembly was shocked. The attendants of Shiva who accompanied Sati witnessed the event and quickly grew angry and started toward Daksha in order to kill him in response to the self-immolation of Sati. Brighu, Daksha's brother, manifested all sorts of protective entities from the ashes of the fire sacrifice and they drove back the followers of Shiva who returned to Kailas to tell him what had happened. Well, Shiva, when he learned of his wife's humiliation and self-immolation, plucked a hair from his head and threw it on the ground, and immediately it turned into the huge demon Virabhadra, who headed off to destroy Daksha and his sacrifice. As it says in the text, Indra is knocked down and trampled on, Yama has his staff broken, Saraswati and the Matris had their noses cut off, Mitra 
has his eyes pulled out, Pusha has his teeth knocked down his throat, Chandra the moon is pummeled, Vani's hands are cut off, Brighu loses his beard, and the Brahmins are pelted with stones. The gods and demigods are run through with swords or stuck with arrows. So Daksha and his friends run away quickly and search out Brahma to ask for his advice. Now Brahma had not attended the sacrifice because he sensed what was coming, simply shook his head and directed everyone to very quickly go to Shiva and apologize most sincerely. He is easily pleased, Brahma said, but go soon because he's bereaved at the loss of his wife and in his anger, if it left unchecked, could easily destroy the universe. In support, Brahma decided to accompany them, and as they arrived at Shiva's residence, they found him speaking calmly with various saints and rishis. But as Shiva saw Brahma, he immediately stood up and welcomed him. With great delicacy, Brahma points out that Shiva need not punish those who had behaved badly, because the laws of karma would deliver the appropriate punishment in due time. So please, Brahma said, let the yagya be completed and receive your rightful share. Now Shiva, who obviously is quick to anger, but is also quick to forgive, agrees. However, he said that Daksha will then, from then onward, have the head of a goat. The group restores the yagya place and relights the fires. They complete the yagya successfully. But the story continues, because in reality Shiva was very unhappy at having lost his wife, Sati, and in his grief he wanders all over India, carrying her body on his back, neglecting his duties and causing great concern. His friend Vishnu comes to put things right, and how he does this is the topic of our next podcast. So for chanting this week, it seems to be appropriate to listen to the thousand and eight names of Shiva because that was what Daksha recited to calm Shiva down. And that will be all for this week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Athalinga Purana Antargata Shri Shiva Sahasranama Stotra Mantraihi Abhishekaha Om Rishaya Ujuhu Katham Deve Navaisuta Deva Devan Maheshwarad Sudarshanatyam Vairabdham Vattumar Hari Vishnunat Suta Uvaja Deva Nama Surendra Nama Pavacca Sudarunat
Parameshti Parayana Ana 
महेश्वाचो महीभत्ता निष्कलंको विशंखलाय ज्योमनिस्तर निर्धन्यस्तिद्धिरस्तिद्धिसाधनाय निवृत्तसंब्रतशिल्को अभ्योधोरस्को महाभुजाय एकज्योतिर्निरातंको नरो नारायणप्रियाय निर्लेपोरिष्प्रबंधात्मानिर्व्यक्रोव्यक्रनाशनाय सव्यस्तवप्रियस्तोदाद्यासमोत्तिगनाकुलाय निरवद्यपदोपायो विज्जाराशिरविक्रमाय प्रशांतबुद्धिरक्षुद्राक्षुद्राहलित्यसुन्दराय धैर्याद्यसुर्योधात्रिशशाकल्यसर्वरीपदी परमार्थगुरुद्रष्टिर्गुरुलाश्रितवत्सलाय रसोरसज्जसर्वज्जसर्वसत्वावलंबनाय सूतावाचाय एवं नाम नाम सहस्रेणतुष्टावर्षपद्धयम् Svanetra-mudhrityasarva-satva-valam-valam Pujaya-vasa-bhavena-nam-nate-na-jagad-gurum Tatastatra-vibhudrashtva-tathabhutam-haro-harim Tasmadavata-tara-shumandala-tpavakasyatay Kodibhaskara-sankasham-jatamukutamanditam Jvala-mala-vrutam-dilyam-tishnadam-shnambhayankaram Shulatanka-gadachakra-kuntapasha-tharam-haram Varadabhaya-hastanchadipicham-mottariyam इत्थम् भोतम् तदादर्शपाभवम् भस्मविभोषितम् कृष्टो नमस्तकाराशुदेवदेवंजनार्दनादुद्रवस्तम् परिक्रम्यसेन्द्रादेवास्त्रिवर्णम् चरचालब्रह्मधुवनंचकंपेतवसुंधरा Tachambho prantam vaishatayotanam Adhastachodhvadashtaivahahetyakratabhutale Tadatpraha mahadevapraha samnivashankarahan Samprekshapranayadishnam kratanjaliputam sitanam Jnatam vayeda Sudarshanachan chakran chadadavita vashobhanam 
द्रक्ष्यसे च प्रसन्ने Sanjasayati Paramangadim 